If we're believing that life with Christ and eternal life is the greatest gift on earth, then why wouldn't we want to share that? I think one thing I feel like God's been teaching me is just in parenthood, what is true? Okay, what's true is Andrew and I are on the same team. We want the same things for our girls. What also is true? We're the parents. We can parent out of truth and not out of fear. Welcome to the Extraordinary Lives Podcast, where we talk about lives that go beyond the ordinary to the extraordinary, with the extra being Jesus. We'll be encouraged with amazing stories and helpful insights from the lives of ordinary people who have that extra, that supernatural difference that only Jesus can give. I'm your host, Ellen Bennett. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. I am so excited to be here with Andrew and Rachel Buchanan. My son and Andrew have been great friends since they were toddlers, and I'm just so grateful for their relationship and excited to hear what all God is doing in your life and and how he's been at work. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yes, excited to be here. Yeah, very excited to be here. Well, let me ask first, tell me a little bit about what you two are up to now about your family, and then I want to hear about how you came to know Jesus and what it even means to know Jesus. Yeah, so we're living in Carlsbad, been here a little over three years. We'd moved over from Austin, Texas, but I originally am from here and grew up with Matt, as you mentioned. More than just grew up with Matt. You're That's true. Very my good friends. Very yeah. good friends. I always say Matt is my best friend. So lifelong best friend. I think we've known each other since we were, what, three or four? Probably before that, but that's the last I recollect. Yeah. And I'm originally from Austin, Texas, and that's where Andrew and I met. And then, like you said, we moved back here in 2019. So we just had our three-year anniversary of living here in September. Mm-hmm. And we do love living here. Yeah, and a new, I guess it's not a new job anymore, but the job I have now working for Marsh McClendon Agency took us out here. So I'm in a sales role, basically serving as a risk management consultant for companies regarding their business insurance and liabilities. Yes, and I am two weeks from my retirement. I have been working for a Christian nonprofit called Generous Giving that has been a great job and have loved it, but have since felt in the last, I mean, it's really ever since having Charlotte, just the desire to want to be home full-time with our kids. So now we feel like God has opened the door for me to do that, and so I'm about to kind of be embarking on a new era as a professional mom (laughs) in a few weeks. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your two little ones. Yes, we have Charlotte, who turned two in October, and then Reese, who turned one in November. So they're about 13 months apart, and we love them a lot. Charlotte is definitely more, I would say, our serious or more reserved one. She's pretty skeptical with new people, but then when you're kind of in with her, she's so bubbly and funny and silly and opens right up, but we think she's an introvert. And then um, Reese is definitely our extrovert. She's, as we all know, upstairs crying right now because she can't be downstairs with us, (laughs) but she is very social, loves people, is kind of feisty, and they're friendship is really sweet they are like little buddies they share a room so they like go to bed together wake up together spend a lot of time together and so far they love each other which is the dream so we'll we'll see how long that lasts yes they are very cute together yeah they are love that so tell me a little bit about your lives growing up and your families yeah so i i would say grew up very much in a church in a christian home i think early on probably would say i came to faith or knew Jesus, I think I remember 
kind of praying the prayer of salvation probably at age five or six. I don't think I really knew what that meant at that time, obviously to some understanding at that age, but I think parents did a great job of just raising us in good, strong Christian values and helping us understand what it means to have a relationship with Jesus at a young age and the importance of being involved with other believers and a local church, trying to, as much as you can, teach growing middle school and teenage boys what it means to walk with God. So I'm very grateful and thankful for that. I think for me, my faith really became my own, I think, when I went off to college. So I went to UC Berkeley, total bubble burst after going to a small private Christian school, Santa Fe Christian, went there with Matt. And I think that freshman year was just a good kind of eye-opening of, am I choosing to walk with Jesus because it's the right thing and the good thing to do, or because I authentically understand what does it mean to have a faith and relationship with Jesus. So I think for much of my life, it was moralism of just being a goody two-shoes, rule following. I'm a type A personality, disciplined person. So I think it was easy for me just to think, great, if I follow XYZ rules, God's going to give me X. And so I think getting to college was chasing identity and being known as an athlete, you know, just being social and popular and being good in academics. And I think to an extent I did have all those, but it still was kind of this, what next? And so I I think for me, that's where it clicked a little bit over those next few years of first being able to really understand the extent of my sin and really a lot of pride and self-righteousness and seeing, okay, this isn't earning me anything before God. Um, This isn't, if anything, separating me from God. And then I think really seeing that Jesus loves me and wants me exactly for who I am. I don't have to do anything to earn his love, respect, kindness, you know, insert whatever. It wasn't like an aha turning moment. I think it was a slow, deeper understanding of just kind of peeling back the layers of having been very churched and rule followers. I think it was, took me a little bit to understand the extent of my sin separates me from God and the importance of needing Jesus to get me back in right relationship with him. And then going from there, okay, how do I choose to walk with Jesus daily after acknowledging and seeing the extent of my sin? That's great. What do you think helps you to see that? Because honestly, when you're in college, that's that takes a lot of self-awareness mm-hmm. to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good question. I think for me, it helped having good mentors out there just to kind of speak into what does that look like. Cal is a very performance... <laughs> driven school. So everyone's talking about your grades and how did you do on the most recent tests? And I think there was some relief in understanding whether I ace the test or completely fail it, I'm not going to have any different standing before God. And so I think figuring out, okay, how do I continually rest in that each and every day, which I think for me learned, okay, how do I consistently spend time in God's word or with other men who are choosing to walk with Jesus or in prayer and just working through some of those spiritual disciplines. That's great. Awesome. How about you, Rachel? Yeah, for me, I mean, similar family backgrounds. Grew up in a Christian family. My parents were in full-time ministry for 40 years. So they still are, but they were on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ. So I grew up kind of as a missionary kid in some sense. We lived overseas for two different years at a time when I was in kindergarten and then once in fifth grade. And then we're always traveling a lot during the summers or having college students in our home. So I feel like I grew up in kind of this total Christian atmosphere, but it was always kind of linked with evangelism and sharing your faith and things like that. So I feel like my two turning points, one was the summer before eighth grade. I remember going to Canacuck camps. That was a season in my life where I had been, I think just asking questions for the first time, not out loud. Cause I remember feeling like I could never tell my parents that I have doubts, which I'm like, I totally could have, but just kind of normal questions of how do we know the Bible's true? Are there other beliefs out there? What's the difference between all these religions? How do we know this is the right one? And 
And I remember going to Canacook and going to some seminar that they had on basically like, hey, here's how you can prove the historical accuracy of things in the Bible. And here's prophecies from the Old Testament that were fulfilled in the New Testament. And just more of like a logical proofs of scripture. So I remember leaving camp in eighth grade and they did this thing where you could ring the bell if you became a Christian. And I didn't ring the bell because I was like, my friends already think I'm a Christian. (laughs) But I was like, I think that's where I was like, okay, this is real. Like, I can't deny that this is true. And then the rest of high school was just, I mean, I feel like I tried to walk with God as in tried to spend time reading the Bible and prayer, but I also was in high school and just cared about, you know, kind of what Andrew said, but being popular, being liked. And then in college, I went to Texas A&M and the first semester of my freshman year was kind of more of the same of what high school was, just basically trying to build a little kingdom for myself and name for myself. And I just felt pretty empty and I kind of viewed my faith as almost how I would think about like going on a diet of like, I'll start tomorrow. Like that's just kind of how I thought about it, going to bed. Like I just felt guilty a lot and like, oh, I know I should. I was shitting on myself a lot. If you've ever heard that expression. I remember Christmas break of freshman year, one of my best friends, Michelle Dodds, now Sloan, she was sharing about her freshman year of college, and it was just so much more meaningful. She went to OU and got involved in crew, found amazing Christian friends. They were praying together, memorizing scripture together, praying for girls in their sorority who didn't know the Lord, looking for ministry opportunities. And I was like, I'm just like living for the next semi-formal with my sorority. Like it just wasn't meaningful. So that's when I feel like I kind of had a turning point of, okay, am I really going to walk with God in a close relationship in college? And then crew had a, it's just a ministry I was involved in. It's the same ministry my parents worked for, but they had like a big winter conference and I went to that and that was right after that conversation with Michelle and that first night I remember the talk was basically about being used by God he doesn't use lukewarm it's either hot or cold he doesn't use the lukewarm and I was lukewarm and so I was like I want to be used by God so I feel like what really gripped me kind of my second time the first time was like this is true and then the second Mm -hmm. time was this idea of being on an adventure with God and wanting to be a part of what he was doing you know in other people's lives and around the world and so that's what really I feel like helped me put a stake in the ground in college was that idea of being used by God. And I got to see him do that the next four years and beyond. And I still struggled with the whole trying to build a kingdom for myself sure, and all that. Sure. But we all still do. Yeah, yeah. But I felt like I had a bigger vision for my life then that has still stuck with me for sure. That's great. Do you mind sharing just maybe one or two things that did impact you to see you living life on purpose? So after that winter conference, I remember just praying and asking God for opportunities to be open about my faith with people in my classes or girls in my sorority and seeing how he would totally provide those. And it was cool to just see spiritual conversations come up. And then I also remember after that freshman year kind of winter conference time is the first time I started really having a desire to read God's word. And I think that was totally the spirit at work in my heart. But I remember feeling like I was reading it for the first time and like the words were jumping off the page at me and looking forward to at night getting to read my Bible and journal and God's word totally impacted how I was thinking about my classes, how I was thinking about people, if I was going to drink or not, if I was going to go to this party, like for whatever reason, the first book I read was first Peter. And there's a lot about holiness and there and I was like this applies so much to college students you know and and beyond but I think it was cool to just see God's word make sense to me and apply to my life and actually change the way I was living 
That's great. Yeah. Right. And how about you, Andrew? I know you were real involved with crew and then athletes in action in mm-hmm. college and then at UT <laughs> yep. Austin. Yeah, I think for me, similar to Rachel, I was involved with crew and athletes in action or AIA at Cal and coming out of school. I think wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. So I decided to intern for two years and uh, that internship took me out to... Intern with crew. Intern with crew. Took me out to University of Texas. And I think the kind of mindset I had going into that was, and I coined this from my dad of like, okay, how what does it look like to spend two years to almost get a quote unquote master's in evangelism? And okay, how can I learn to share my faith in a relatable and easy way. And I think I went in my first year expecting a lot. And that first year was a huge year of just personal growth for me, more so than seeing, I think, a lot of fruit from ministry. And the the second year, I think, saw some more fruits of the labor, as you say. So, yeah. You both have talked about sharing your faith. And sometimes in our culture, people can think, oh, you need to keep your own thoughts Mm. and Mm -hmm. ideas to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, why would you want to share what you believe or even try to convince someone that Christianity is true? How would you answer someone who had an objection to sharing your beliefs in your faith? Yeah, it's a good question. I think the first thing that comes to mind is if we're believing that life with Christ and eternal life is the greatest gift on earth, then why wouldn't we want to share that? And I think there's a tactful and easy way to share that. It's not beating someone over the head, kind of fire and brimstone. You know, if you don't believe this, you're going to hell type of approach. And I think for me, specifically in the professional world now, as opposed to sharing with college students, there's definitely a right time and place to do it. It's just in the context of work and knowing when to share it. But I'm realizing, okay, I'm going to be working with some of these individuals for years to come of how can I kind of sprinkle in where I get my true meaning and drive for life from. And what does that look like? And I think in a sales world too, where you can really get sucked into thinking your life is just your most recent deal that you sold or the numbers that you put up for the company that year of being able to rest in the fact I'm not what my numbers are or how much I sell on the behalf of my company. That reminds me to give me perspective, but hopefully can give others hope that if they're struggling, there's some deeper meaning to life than just showing up, working the nine to five and getting your paycheck and coming home and figuring out what to do with it. That's great. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And I think we call it good news for a reason. Mm -hmm. And we want to be able to share that. I've also heard it put, if you had the cure for a disease, of course you would want to share it with others. And we feel like this is such a good cure for life, really. It Mm -hmm. is life and life giving. So we want to be able to share that. Great. Thank you. Well, how did you two meet? We were actually coworkers, so we were on a staff team for crew. This is like a crew commercial together. <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew is a few years younger than me, so when he came, I definitely thought he was cute. He said I flirted with him. I don't remember flirting. I remember being friendly, but it was like, oh, he's younger. I just thought of him as like, oh, little Andrew. And you specifically wore stuff because no, you knew the kid from California was coming out. Yes, I did think about my outfit when he was coming because I was. Like, oh, this new guy is coming, and then I met you, and I did think you were cute, but I also thought you were young. And then <laughs> a couple months later, that was like on a vision trip, he was coming to check out the team. And then a couple months later, when he actually moved to Austin and we were working together, we were both dating other people, so it kind of was like a moot point. We were mm. friends, kind of peripherally, not even like good friends that first mm-hmm. year. And then, yeah, you want to tell the rest? <laughs> yeah, fast forward the second year I was working there. She started helping co-lead a Bible study with me because our other 
friends on staff, DJ and Brooke Giotelli, they were off campus raising support. So Rachel was kind of pinch hitting for them before they were coming back on campus. So I think our just organic friendship grew that way. And then I say for me, I got out of the relationship I was in. And then when I started taking girls on dates again, I was using Rachel as the benchmark for like, oh, how do they compare to Rachel or this type of personality or this interaction? And then it finally dawned on me like, huh, well, what about just taking Rachel on a date? I think when that thought hit me, she was still in her relationship, but I kind of knew it was on the rocks. So I remember it was a winter conference that it was like, hmm, okay, I think this, her relationship's not going to work out. I'll just sit in the dugout and wait, <laughs> wait, wait till my number's called. And then lo and behold, I don't know, was that month or two later yeah. that relationship ended no it was like a few weeks after that um gave it i think a month and a half and then asked you out i remember sitting down with her dad cause i knew her dad pretty well and i'd taken him to lunch and asking him like hey would it be okay if i asked your daughter on a date and he just said yeah i think that'd be fun and like didn't give any further comment after that i was like okay and the same thing i asked my dad i was like dad i just don't know if andrew views me as just a friend and my dad all he said because i think they'd already had that conversation my dad was like he definitely doesn't think of you as just a friend (laughs) (laughs) it's funny he was like kind of in the middle so first date i say was always like date number six or seven where i think we both went in without sharing with each other okay, this is either going to end in marriage or never going to speak of this again. Yeah. Um, and I think we both went home that night and put in our respective journals or told people, oh, I think I just went on a date with my future spouse. Yeah. yeah. So We did not say that to each other. Yeah. But yes, we both kind of thought. So what was it eight months later? Mm-hmm. Proposed and then married five months after that? Yeah. So pretty quick. quick in the whole grand scheme of things. But I think for us it didn't feel too quick because we were close friends. I knew her parents. We we've both had, we've been working together, years. both knew, just had the same heart and I think kingdom vision. So that probably expedited the process compared to others. Yeah. But Matt beat me to the altar. I, I always know. tell him that. He, I know. He like jumped, jumped the gun and beat me to it. Engaged so. after us and married yeah. before us. And we had a very short engagement. Yeah. So that was yes. hard to do. <laughs> yes. I love that. That you were basically proposing about the same time. Yep. Yeah. That was fun for y'all. I remember that. You were like tracking and like. Well, and I think we were both processing like, so do we date someone that we work with? How does that work? Like, are we sure this is, you know, a good fit or smart things? All that stuff. It was a fun journey with him. Yes. Well, just transitioning a little bit, what are some ways that you've seen God at work in your lives? either now or in the past. And then I'd also love to talk about just anything you're learning and what you'd like to share with others. So first, what are just some God stories in your life? We were kind of reflecting before this about just what we were going to share. I felt like our answers were actually kind of similar. But I think for the season of life that we're in, we love where we're living. Andrew's doing great at his job and loves his job. I'm able to quit my job. You know, we love our kids. We just bought a house. Like there's things that are like, oh, we're just in this sweet season. I feel like when I'm walking in the spirit, I'm in a season of thankfulness towards God of just like, hey, none of these things are a guarantee and they're just gifts. And so I feel like I have felt so loved by God, even just for me personally, a big decision for the last two years has been if I was going to keep working or not. And I think I've just seen God since I've made the decision essentially taking a step of faith to say, no, I'm going to quit. Because I had some fear around quitting and I'm talking about it so confidently now, but it was a really hard decision to make. And I feel like God just has continued to affirm, 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 affirm the decision. And I just am so thankful for that. But again, it's like, 
when we're not walking in the spirit, I can feel entitled or like I deserve all this stuff or Mm -hmm. yeah, like it's a no brainer. I shouldn't have to work or, you know, whatever. And so I think just remembering who's the giver, is it about the gifts or is it about the giver? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I said, when I'm walking in the spirit, it really is about the giver. And I feel like I just have been in a sweet season of thankfulness for God, for Andrew and our family. And we also, I feel like recently have had several friends just walking through really, really hard things with their kids and like health stuff. And I think watching our friends go through something like close, close friends go through something hard has really impacted me. And just seeing how they've navigated this with hope and not despair. And I'm like, Lord, may that be true of our lives because it's not a, if it's a when something, you know, tragic will happen for all of us. And so I just have been processing that a lot. I mean, it's not about my life, but it feels like I've been really impacted by these friends that are going through this. And I've been praying for both of us just that that would be our response to that they've had of just where's our hope you know it can't even be in kids and healthy kids because that's not a guarantee it has to be in christ and just praying that that's true of both of our lives it really is true how much believers impact each other Mm -hmm. yeah we're that one body of christ totally what would you say yeah for me i think similar to you work-wise just have felt i think god's favor and blessing and having great early success at the firm receiving accolades for that nationally and just feeling unmerited favor in that of you know some of the clients I work with or some of the stuff I've gotten like okay there's no other reason for that outside God just choosing to want to bless that and I'm using my giftings and strengths in the role and just feeling like it totally suits what I'm good at so that's fun for me I'm an achiever by nature though so it can be easy for me to get sucked in and just think I'm the man and think it's all my own doings and personal successes so that's always a good helpful gut check but yeah I think as Rachel said just feeling God's sweet season of blessing i think in the context of we moved here we're here what four months found out we were pregnant a little sooner than we would have planned covid hits my job historically was very people facing engaging with people in social networking events like how am i going to do this in a virtual environment and you know being able to succeed in doing that both just smooth easy process with our firstborn and then fast forward reese comes along totally surprised Walking through that process, you know, just all the big life changes we've had of, yes. you know, married, moved, two kids, bought a house. In like three years. All within three and a half years. Like that's a lot of life change that typically can be understandably big stressors. And I think for us, it's been, I would say, just relatively easy transitions through those. There hasn't been, it's not well, without its hiccups. Yeah. So I just think feeling God's favor and blessing in that and wanting to not miss that. And then I think the other thing we're seeing, we're go-getters and love to be social and keep up and do a lot of things, which I think is great. But at the same time, figuring out what is good margin. I think for me, I'll go, go, go. And then I don't stop until I get sick or like feel overwhelmed and it's just kind of a hard crash. So I think just learning specifically what a Sabbath look like, that's just a spiritual practice and discipline that I don't think is very common anymore. So John Mark Comer has a great book on it that we've both read and just trying to figure out what does Sabbath and rest look like in a culture that doesn't support that. How does that look like with two young kids too, where rest just isn't very common? Yes. Um, So I think figuring out what does that look like, that's just a theme I feel the past few months I've been trying to press into and what does it look like to not feel like I need to achieve every single hour of the day, whether at work, but then also on the weekend. Like if I don't have a ton of meetings for that, is it okay just to have an easy day at work or the new home? Is it okay not to feel like I need to do X, Y, Z chore around the house and just rest and be with Rachel or be with our girls? So that's a 
big learning curve for me, but trying yeah. to figure that out. That's mm-hmm. great. Way to go. Yeah, me too. We're both activators and goers and mm-hmm. doers, so it is really hard to stop. <laughs> yes. Well, it sounds like God's been teaching you about rest and Sabbath and maybe balance. Anything else you want to share with the listeners that might be helpful? I think one thing I feel like God's been teaching me is just in parenthood, and we kind of talked about this ahead of time too, but just what is true. Okay, what's true is Andrew and I are on the same team. We want the same things for our girls. What also is true? We're the parents, you know, like we can parent out of truth and not out of fear. And and also just inviting God into what seems like a small decision, like praying about, is it time for Reese to drop the morning nap? Or just inviting him into like the daily things is something I've been trying to do, or at least talking about trying to do. (laughs) But I think, yeah, just really in parenthood, inviting him into the moment by moment and trusting yeah he is also the authority on that he knows all things about child rearing if you think about like because he knows all things so i can ask him for help with discipline or their schedules or this school or this school you know like all those things some feel bigger than others so that's been something i feel like i am learning and will keep learning for the next i guess rest of my life (laughs) as a mom yes That's great. I remember a good friend telling me that Steve and I were the right parents for Julie and Matt. That was just so helpful because there were a lot of times where I thought, you know, I I don't relate to Haley or Matt in this certain way. Yeah. But for some reason, God has me Mm -hmm. as the mom. And it's been really fun to see how God was just so faithful mm-hmm. in our relationships. And we both just learned so much. God uses our kids to teach us a lot yeah. as well. So that's a fun process. Yeah. Not always easy. <laughs> yeah. Definitely challenging. But how great to have the God of the universe, our I creator, know. sharing us on and wanting to, to help and give us wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know how people do it. I don't know how people do anything without Jesus. That's seriously how I feel. Going through something hard, how do you do that? Going through something good, how do you do that? Because it doesn't last, you know? So I'm so thankful in parenthood to have a godly husband and to have God (laughs) help us. Yes, that's great. Yeah, for me, I think I would say, again, just what does contentment in Christ look like? I think it's easy just as I get later in life of, checking off the life accomplishments of married, have kids, kind of figure out your career job, get a house, you know, purchase the 10-year family vehicle. As I work through the mental checklist of life goals, sitting here like, oh, okay, I think I did most of those, of realizing nothing's bad and inherent of themselves, but if I'm looking to contentment and sufficiency in those things, that's a lost cause. And seeing the satisfaction from those continues to be fleeting. And so I think I'm continually brought back to, I think, as you alluded to, how do I continue to find sufficiency in Christ and what he's done for me and who he is to me? Because if I look to find it in Rachel or our kids or career, it doesn't last type of thing. And it's, it's going to be putting eternal expectations on something that's not eternal. So I think just processing through, yeah, what does that look like in this kind of busier season with young kids? And I think it can be easy for me to see tangible results or success more so in work as opposed to at home. You're figuring out kids or marriage stuff and correctly prioritizing. Okay, what's my relationship with God look like? And then after that, keeping my priorities straight, which I don't always do that well each and every day. Yeah. We're just not perfect. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell me about the importance of community. I've been so 
impressed with the fact that you have two young kids, but you've kept really still involved with your church community, I'm sure with your neighborhood, etc. Tell us a little bit about that and why it's important. Yeah, I mean, we're both people people. So we have some friends, they tell us, y'all are so good at initiating and we just like to sit at home and read books, you know? And I'm like, some of it's just personality, you know? Like, I think even if we weren't Christians, we'd be doing that. But I think also we both have experienced rich community and friendships in the past. And so we long for that. And I think one way it's been made possible is Andrew is, like he said, type A. So he is very like, if we're in town, we are going to church. Like, no matter what. We went to church when Reese was like four days old. So that, which we will not be doing that for our next baby. But like that, I think just the showing up, like the ministry of presence, I think is a big part of it. But then also one just practical thing that's been easy, even though it doesn't always feel easy every week, is we host our small group. And so if you're hosting it, you're there, you know? So I think that's been a big piece too. And it's easier for us because we can put our kids to bed here and not have to get a babysitter and all that. But I think those are two big pieces and then I feel like our church is pretty social in general so it's kind of the culture of our church too. definitely be in a small group be involved and hang out outside of your small group but yeah I think it's a combo of like personality and how God's wired us and past experiences mm-hmm. yeah I think we both experienced really rich community through our time with crew both deep relationships so I think we're still playing close with some of the folks we worked with out in Texas and then other friends and staff we've met who are placed elsewhere, whether it's Matt and Elizabeth or folks in different cities, just seeing that it's life-giving. And I think we're called to do that too, living in context of biblical community. Yeah. So we encourage that of folks and obviously up to what extent and unique personalities that is, we probably err on being more social than the typical person. And we're more likely to say yes. Yeah, we're yes people to want to see people because it's life-giving. All right. So Andrew, this is my last question. What would you say makes Rachel feel loved and any advice? (laughs) The first thing that comes to mind, if I love the people that she loves well. So if that's her family, her friends, I think just taking initiative with them, asking good intentional questions. She's very good at that. So if I can do that well, she loves to be served too. Obviously as men, we're called to serve and lay down our lives for our wives. Um, Neither of us are naturally servant hearted though. So that does not come Mm. easy to me. And I think with kids learning more so what that looks like, if she's being with them for a majority of the day of when I come home from work, what does it look like to be available, take them off her hands for a little bit. So figuring out how to do that well still. We've definitely had our fair share of dust-ups and communicating through that, but that's what I would say. Great. Okay, Rachel, your turn. And we do have Reese with us now. So you might hear some cute little baby noises. Baby coos. (laughs) Okay, so what do you think is great advice for wives to help their husbands feel loved? I think being your husband's biggest cheerleader with, Mm. you know, work or encouraging them to move towards friends or family or people that are maybe harder to move towards and just encouraging them. And I know my husband really likes shared activities and so doing stuff together. Whereas, you know, I more like face-to-face dates and like talking about our feelings, you know. He said yesterday, Hufa really loved if we went surfing together, which I really 
uh, <laughs> don't want to do, <laughs> but I should. You've said you want to yeah. do it. I do. I just have been afraid of sharks recently. Yeah. But I read that. I think it was in the meaning of marriage. Basically, just that it's a great way to love your husband is to just be an encourager and cheerleader and kind of being their safe place to land when they come home of like, you can do it. You know, whatever it is. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> One thing that you all said earlier that really stuck out was that you're on each other's team. Well, we want to be together. on each other's team. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You don't always yeah. feel that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We are both very strong people, so sometimes we forget we're on the same team. Mm-hmm. But I think we all do. Yeah. So that's that's great to keep in mind. Well, thank you guys so much for interviewing with me today. Yeah. I so appreciate it. Yeah, thank just... you. It's fun to be on. It's yeah. good to think about the questions that you sent. Like, oh yeah, what has Jesus been teaching me lately? And so mm-hmm. it's helpful to just reflect. Thank right. you. All right, well, thank you guys. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. This is Ellen Bennett with the Extraordinary Lives Podcast.